the Far Post podcast. We are back for another Express Post from the Women's World Cup. It is game day for the Matildas. We will talk a little bit about that, but our main focus is from yesterday's matches. So there is plenty to talk about and we can't wait to crack into it. But before we begin, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Yuggera people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today's episode, you have me, Marissa Lordanik, Angela Christian-Wilkes, and Anna Harrington. So, friends, um, we've spoken about this before in terms of, you know, podcasting is dangerous because if you release a pod at the wrong time and big news breaks, your pod's already kind of dated. And, oh boy, did we feel that yesterday. We had recorded our pod in the morning and then Harrow and I headed down to Perry Park to watch the Matildas match day minus one training and we all learnt that both Mary Fowler and Ivy Lewick had been ruled out of this Nigeria clash. So we have to talk about it today. We want to, first of all, everyone, everything's going to be okay. Like it's genuinely going to be okay. Everything is fine. But Harrow, hit us with the update, the news, what happened yesterday and why do we keep getting injuries? Yeah, that was a pretty good way of putting how it all played out. I think a couple of people rocked up a little bit late to the training. They're like, oh, how's it going? I'm like, Sorry, Farley, Mary Fowler's out. And also Ivy Lewick, um, which is kind of basically my existence during a World Cup. People, especially men, talking at me while I'm trying to file breaking news. Um, anyway, that's that's basically how it played out yesterday. We're at training and um, then the Matildas, uh, you know, so we, we were anticipating a bit of news because we knew Mary Fowler, as if you listened to the defunct pod yesterday, Mary Fowler, we'd been told, had copped the knock in training on Tuesday. Turns out the knock was a head knock um, and Matilda's uh, put out news about 11.55 or, sorry, 10.55, 10.57 a.m. I think it was. So just before the open session was technically starting, so you're in the stands at Perry Park and you're like, shit, Mary Fowler's out. Um, I had a vibe that someone might be out, whether it was a Fowler or a, a Kennedy, um, who's I think since been all cleared to play. But yeah, and I think Ivy Lewick was a sort of bonus injury for you <laughs> that you won't expect. Um, anyway, both we got the confirmation from Football Australia. Both Fowler and Lewick suffered concussion in separate incidents um, at Tuesday's close training, um, which uh, means they're ruled out of this game, obviously just under protocol. Um, for clarification, I did check this. It's a minimum six-day layoff time with a concussion under the FA concussion protocols, and that's provided you pass all the return-to-play protocols, right? So that does mean that because it was Tuesday that Fowler and Lewick would be able to play Monday against Canada, provided they tick all the boxes. Mary Fowler, great to see, was out there running um, some laps by the or running some little uh, lengths of the field by the end of it, um, the 15-minute window that we got. So obviously no Mary Fowler, no... Um, Ivy Lewick, but the big thing is now against Nigeria, there's obviously no Sam Kerr, there's no um, Mary Fowler. It means Caitlin Ford is really going to have to carry the load as a striker. Um, I think this uh, these injuries raise two big questions that Tony Gustafson really had to defend, and, and I think did in his press conference yesterday. One was um, training methods, um, and you know we obviously saw Sam Kerr with the little soft tissue one, but people going. Sorry, Mickey Mouse. How the fuck are you getting two players concussed in separate incidents two, ga- two days out from the game? 
And he said, this is a normal training session, two days out from the game. I imagine, especially with a week break, this was relevant. They do a pretty intense one. Um, I, I can understand this to a point because I think as much as you want to keep players in cotton wool, you've also got to keep them sharp for the game. So it's a really difficult balance to strike, I think, as opposed to soft tissue injuries. Bar if you've got a player with a history of concussions and head knocks, that's a different scenario, right? Soft tissue injuries are something that are very load managed, but I feel like you can just be unlucky with with head knocks. They're so unpredictable and Gustafson wouldn't give us any details on what exactly happened beyond basically just saying there weren't any dangerous challenges from other players. Anyway, um, the other question it raised is, um, do you regret your gamble on Kaya Simon? Because when they picked Kaya Simon for this squad, it was very much, they were open about it, that they would basically have to carry her through the opening games with a view to using her as an impact substitute to take penalties, to come on an extra time, to come on late in games, whatever, to turn matches. And obviously that happened before we knew what happened with Sam Kerr. And again, he, he stood by that as well, saying that they made that decision. I mean, a friend of the pod, Tom, did make a, a point to us yesterday as well. Like, he can't really say he regretted it now when Kai Simon is in the squad, right? Like, you can't really turn around and say, actually, I regret bringing one of these 23 players. Um, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it still comes down if they think Kai Simon in the knockouts off the bench, if she's fit. We've only seen her walking laps. That doesn't mean she's not doing stuff inside or um, out on the pitch when we're not watching, of course. Um, like, yeah, we haven't seen her do anything. If, if there's clearly the belief that she can come in and have an impact, is that greater than what a, let's say, Amy Sayer, Larissa Crummer, Remy Simpson, Emily Gionic, whoever could have had? We'll, we will find out, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, it basically leaves us um, with Caitlin Ford and question mark up top if they keep that. Let's be honest, it's a, it's kind of like a it's four four two or 4 Two two two, however you want to look at it, four two two, whatever you want to look at it. It's, it just if you're going to have that structure, then you're going to have to bring in someone who's not necessarily a striker. For me, Emily Van Egmond make, kind of makes sense. You push Caitlin Ford higher, you bring Van Egmond on. That's been one of the substitutes they sort of look to. Um, the other two options being, of course, um, Tamiki Yellop, who can make those really great forward runs in behind, um, really times those runs into the box nicely. She's always been very good at that. We know she played as that sort of semi-striker, semi-midfielder at Brisbane Raw um, back in their heyday. Such a super athlete as well. Um, and Alex Chidiak is, I think, the fan favourite. I think that's the one that there's the campaign for to, to start. But I do have my doubts just because she's not started under Tony Gustafson, if I'm right. So it would be a very, very, very big call to, to throw her into the fray. Um, does that leave us with where we're at, Marissa? Oh, and Sam Kerr, we probably won't get an update on her. Sorry, calf watch for everyone. Tony basically said, wouldn't be drawn on whether her tournament's over or when she'll be back, but basically admitted that we're not going to get an update until the day before the Canada game. And, you know, they've got every right to do that. It doesn't surprise me one bit. That's where we're at. Nothing new on Sammy. She was walking laps yesterday. That was the most activity we've seen from her since she... Um, did her injury. So seemed otherwise seemed in, in pretty good spirits um, at Perry Park. I don't know if you got this same impression, but um, it, it, not to out myself as someone who has watched a horse race before, but um, <laughs> before, before like a race starts, the horses are basically like paraded around the yard. And it felt like that yesterday because um, 
you know, so Mary Fowler would be walking a lap and she would be with like the team doctor or the physio or whoever it was. And then right behind her, Kaya Simon would also be walking a lap and you could hear the photographers like yelling and like, who's that? What? And I don't know why, but my brain said, oh my God, this is like watching the horses being paraded around the yard as they the Melbourne walk Cup. around the thing. Um, so there's a fun visual for you all. Um but yeah, I think that's that sums it up. Basically, that's where we're at. Oh, uh, but Marissa, we we do have a special mention. Yes, from our experience at Perry Park, don't we? Would you like to take it away? I would love to take it away. So we were walking back inside after our fifteen minutes, and there was a lovely volunteer there, and she looked at me, and she looked at me puzzled, and then she asked, "Sorry." are you on the pod? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I am. And her excitement was so sick. Like I absolutely loved it. And then Anna walked like 10 seconds behind me, um, started talking to me and her face lit up once again. Cause she was like, oh, there's two of you now. <laughs> um, so big shout out to volunteer friend Gwen, who was at Perry park, directing traffic, doing great things. It was absolutely lovely to meet you. We were stoked to get the photo with you with big Frank Farina just looming in the background <laughs> as well. Um, but no, it was so nice. We love it when people come and say hi. It's so exciting for us. So hi, Gwen. Thanks for listening. And we took on the feedback of Gwen, which we like to think represents all of our listeners, which was love having the Tillies update at the start because that's what I'm here for. And you know what? The defunct pod happened on a day where we'd put the Mary Fowler little knock update at the end. So mm-hmm. it's true. Gwen was right. Calf slash Sam Kerr slash Tilly's update at the start of pods. Give the people what they want. Thank you, friend of the pod, Gwen. I, I just wish that the Tilly's updates were a bit shorter, to be honest with you. I wish the update was, everybody's fit. Let's move on. Um, but, yeah, I, but I agree with you just in terms of, like, the lineup for tonight's game. I assume Van Eggs will come in. Angela, is that also your vibe, Van Eggs into the lineup for Fowler? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Angela's Angela was on the Jetstar flight very, very early this morning. So, yeah, people are asking me, they're like, so how do you feel about all these injuries happening in the Matildas? And I'm like, I'm focusing on myself and my stresses at the moment. So I'm just like, you got it, babes. You got it. I trust you guys. Just go do your thing. I don't want to think about it. So, but yeah, Van Eggs, that makes sense. I don't know. I don't feel great. In some real great times, classic hits, Angela's, Marissa's internet has just started garbling as Angela starts speaking. Of course it has. <sighs> and ben, it's gone clear again. Now you're speaking. It, it's my mic. It knows. <laughs> I think this is all a sign that I should not be in the media. I should not. Should throw in the towel. Don't talk about yourself like that. I don't think it's that. The Wi-Fi. My apartment is lovely, but every now and then the Wi-Fi just says up yours, Um, including when I was doing (laughs) ESPN FC live and aeroplane mode turned on for some reason in the middle of the host asking me a question. Um, But anyway, we move on from technical difficulties. We should actually talk about the three games we had on yesterday and we simply must start with the other Group B match over in Perth. It was Canada 2, Ireland 1. It's So 
from a football level, it's good for Canada. They get their three points. They're feeling good about themselves. It's unfortunate for Ireland because that means they are knocked out of the group stage with one game to play. But uh, we obviously need to talk about the only important thing that happened in this game, which was obviously the Katie McCabe Olympico because there was an Olympico <laughs> at the World Cup after I asked for one. Um but Hara, I feel like you should explain what happened because I feel like your tweet really summed up exactly how this Olympico went down in the pub in Brisbane. Yeah, some people come to my Twitter account for my Matildas updates out of camp and, you know, like being there on the scene, being there for every minute of camp, being there for all the games, covering lots of games. Other people come for my updates on you um, <laughs> because we're at the pub, we picked um, one of the pubs in Brisbane because we're like, oh, well, we might as well go and see the game with a few other people just to get a bit of the vibe in, you know, not sit by yourself and watch it. Sometimes that's fun, but I didn't feel like it last night. Um, anyway, we're tuning in. I think it's, what, the fourth minute of the game. Mar- Marissa said, oh, Jesus, just having some dramas, getting an Uber, but I'll be there soon. We're like, okay, cool, cool. And, you know, this game's been all right. Not too much has happened. Um, hopefully she's here soon. And then Katie McCabe lines up to take a corner Marissa's still not here and to be honest we're not really phased because we're like you know it's a game whatever she'll be here in the next couple of minutes Katie McCabe takes one of the most spectacular uh corners you've ever seen it bends it curves it deceives everyone and all of a sudden it's an Olympico and everyone erupts and then everyone turns and Marissa's still not there. <laughs> Disaster in Brisbane. Olympico at the World Cup, Katie McCabe. And it's like a perfect Olympico as well. Sometimes when you see them, you, um, like you think of the Karakuni Cross Olympico, you're like, oh, God, oh, I could have done better there. Like you, the goalkeeper misjudges it. But this one was just so well struck. Like it was like a perfect Olympico. It was in a World Cup. Um and poor old Marissa was not there to see it, which, of course, I imagine as everyone was tagging you on Twitter, did not help the situation, Marissa. Good I, news, though, everyone. Once she got to the pub, she was able to watch it on Optus Sport. But, yeah, a genuine tragedy for such a spectacular goal. Jeez, it's got to be close to goal of the tournament so far. I, d- I just can't get over how well she hit it. And the best bit is when she just does the celebration. Like, just simple, um, look at what I've done. Are you not entertained? Just perfection from Katie McCabe. And poor Marissa was in the Uber. While I was in the back of the Uber. And literally I saw one tweet and I was like, no, no, (laughs) no. And then I checked my my mentions and I already had two and I was like, oh, no, oh, no. And then I'm surprised you didn't have it on on your phone in the car. I don't know why I didn't. I could not tell you why I didn't. Um. Also, probably for the like best that I didn't the scare cause, the poor Uber driver if I had watched that live, to be fair. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, – I, I think the thing we also forget is that was Ireland's debut World Cup goal. Like, the first ever goal they scored at a Women's World Cup was at Katie McCabe Olympico, which absolutely rules. Um, and, yeah, I've seen a bit of chat that, like, Kaylin Sheridan should have done better. I'm not having any of that, like – the way that McCabe struck this, mm. I personally think Sheridan, no chance. Like, 
I don't put any blame on her. I just genuinely think it was that good of a hit. And there is a specific angle that someone in the stands filmed from. Her name is Megan on Twitter. And just it is perfection. Like you see the exact angle with what she's dealing with and the way it curves. Oh, it's magnificent. I think I did embarrass myself at the pub a little bit when I was watching these replays on my phone. Like we had a couple no, of No, it was very us sweet. Just... It wasn't embarrassing at all. <laughs> and they're just laughing at me while I'm sitting there going, oh, because that was my genuine reaction to <laughs> watching these Olympicos. Um, is it, is it, I think there's only one, the one person. Who... Yeah, I think it would be the McLympico. I quite liked um, Friend of the Pod Stew going with um, Air Olympico. Olympico, that's good. That's um, good. I like. But you know who's really qualified to talk about it was uh, I, I often like ignore the media releases. No offense to you know, Channel Sevens and Optuses and that they do like to send the random quotes through. Like here is what so and so said at halftime. You're like, mm, yeah, whatever. Um, here's the pre-match predictions. You know, like, well, I can't use them now. Um, but if there's anyone who is qualified to talk about an Olympica or World Cup, it is KK Elise Callan Knight. And on Seven, they actually asked her about it. I don't know if they actually asked her about it in the context of you fucking scored one <laughs> um, because she doesn't reference it at least. But um, the quote that they've transcribed is, it's pretty unusual for it to happen. I think we should celebrate. The way McCabe um, hit her Olympico today was phenomenal. To bend it in top far post, that's a decent strike. And also the way she approached the ball, I think she sold Sheridan a little bit where you could see she wasn't going for the goal, but with the amount of whip she put on the ball, it went straight in. Thank you, KK, as someone who has also done an Olympico. And that one we thought, Emily, you only forgot to touch on as well anyway. So um, very different Olympicos, but just a proper banger. Like, And, yeah, the, the, I guess the real shame for Ireland was they, they couldn't go on with it. Despite Katie McCabe's best effort, she almost scored another like, worldie in the second half when she cut inside from the right. And, um, yeah, it just took a little very nice block from the Canada defender, a bit of desperate defending to to keep it out she went near post with the shot but yeah Canada they looked rubbish early on in that game they looked in all sorts of trouble um and they turned it around to their credit like um I was reading Bev Priestman's um presser quotes where it sounded like she said at halftime she basically said that she reminded them that they were Olympic champions I quite like that I feel like if we were translating that to Australian she'd be like she'd have said we're the champions, pull your fingers out. Like, <laughs> that's the vibe I get from it. And you know what they did, to be fair? No, Christine Sinclair, they started on the bench. First time that's happened, I think, in her World Cup um, career. Big gamble, and it's it paid off. Mm. Do you have any tips? Oh, I'm just stoked Adriana Leon scored. I really rate her. Um and that was like good for me and my personal brand. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it? Sorry, just on the note of the what are we calling it? Olympico. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like it, I was at the pub, we watched it, and someone was like, "Oh, keep her own goal," and I was like, "No, no, it's an Olympico. It's the match Olympic." Yeah, and immediately thought of you, of course. Um, so, but yes, Adrian. Um, I think and. F- the own goal for Ireland before mm. the half really would have changed the complexion of the game as well and I guess really would have shaped that halftime talk because Canada would have been so much more in it and, yeah, just te- feel terrible for, was it Farrelly who scored mm. the own goal? 
not, I don't know if I need to mention, I always feel bad when I mention who the name of the person who scored my own goal. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, and, and Leon's goal, loved it. I thought it was a great little dink over. I think it was from Sophie Schmidt to, for the assist and just like a good finish and her doing what she does best, which is just being very fast, very physical on the ball and getting the like timing and the finish. So yeah, um, I think I'm not, I'm, I'm still not too scared of Canada. I think the fact that they were shaky at the start and they took a while to build into the game, even though it was the second game, I, I wonder how much the Nigeria draw kind of shook them up a little bit at the start of the tournament. Mm. But again, they're coming into the game against us with a win under their belt. So I don't know. I don't, know. I don't want to think about it too much, but yeah, it was, a, it was a good match. And, um, I think, I don't know. I, I, I hope Ireland can take something out of this world cup and, and be back soon. Oh God, to see Kathleen, um, friend of the pod, Kathleen on the TV as well. Took like a, you know, a mum pick of the screen. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that, so that was her Australian TV debut. So well done to Kathleen. I love um, that for her. Yeah. She's but, a star friend of the pod, Kathleen. Yeah. Yes. And um, she was being interviewed by Michelle Optus um, with Shireen Idris. Is not Shireen Idris, sorry. Um, Shireen Ahmed. Shireen Ahmed. Yes, sorry. Um, and she was being interviewed uh, with Shireen Ahmed as well, who's like an absolute legend. So, yes, very cool. Very cool. Anyway, um, but yeah, not too much, I guess. Yeah. And, and Canada kind of just played Canada football I don't know yeah it's just I agree it felt like it <laughs> up forward at times they really it felt like Jordan Heitemer was the only one sort of giving him any sort of tricks and pace and times obviously Adriana Leon was crucial in that moment we all know what she can do as um having watched the tiltus a lot um getting back Jessie Fleming I thought was massive for them as well she just keeps them ticking over she's creative she's smart she um adds that pressure um, as a attacking midfielder sort of player, she wins the ball back. Um, she really set the tone. I thought wearing the armband really, really suited her. And I, I like that. I also do like that Bev Priestman made the tough call on Sinclair because she didn't have a a great day out to say the least against Nigeria. And I think they just needed something a bit a bit different, a, just a, a different look about them. And she came on in the second half and um, caused a couple of problems. Um, it looks like she maybe in a little bit of doubt to face Australia and did there, they're not going to be helped by that four hour trip back from Perth to Melbourne either. That's not particularly fun. Albeit they'll have the extra day of recovery in hand before that game, but it's been stitched up a little bit. Them and Ireland getting sent to Perth. Ireland in particular did the um, Sydney to Brisbane where their base was and then back to, sorry, and then over to Perth. So They've had a time of it and they're coming back to Brisbane again to play their last game. So they've really done the the full roadshow Ireland. But, yeah, it is a shame that um, the last game, uh, for Ireland at least, is going to be more playing for pride. It's still obviously going to have some connotations in terms of the group. But, yeah, I think they would have liked to have thought they could stay alive in the tournament till the final game and... Yeah, maybe they feel like they. I feel like they must feel like they should have got more out of that game. They were probably worth a point, and yeah. But you take you make your chances. You take your chances, and that's what Canada have done in tournament football at the Olympics, and that's what they managed to do again. So it does set up that group beautifully, though. Um, I mean, if Australia win against Nigeria, as we know, this is permutations chat. They'll be through to the round of um, through to the round of sixteen. 
and then the Canada game will just be about positions really in terms of where you land. Um, but if Australia get a, a draw or less, then that last game could actually really determine things. So, yeah, we shall see. We will see. But let's move on to the other games we had from yesterday. So it was a big day for Group C. And basically Group C is all but sorted now after these second round of matches. So we had Spain defeating Zambia 5-0 and Japan beating Costa Rica 2-0. So basically Costa Rica and Zambia are out. The only thing left to decide is who's one and who's two in that group. And that will obviously be figured out when Spain and Japan take on each other in the final uh, group games. But any takes from either of these games? We know that Pateas started for the first time in 431 days, which is massive for her. We absolutely love to see an ACL comeback. Um, a lot of really good goals in both of these games. But I'm, just quickly, I wanted to say both of Japan's goals were so clean and so classy that when I was watching the highlights, I actually gasped watching mm. them both because I was just like, God damn, that is fresh. Um so I, just, I felt compelled to say that. But, Harrow, any takes on either of these games? Oh, it felt like Spain could have scored so many goals and they already scored five. Um, but Teresa Abellera's goal, the absolute banger that she scored, I think it was to open the scoring, which was incredible. Like, um, it was a nice little bit of play. I think Pateus was involved in the build-up and she has just rifled this. Like, it's fizzing, it's skimming, there's... Gives the goalkeeper absolutely no chance. It was a wonderful strike. Like, you have to watch it. If you haven't watched it already, like, it is just exceptional. It was a bit of a weird game as well in that there are a couple of goals that initially got chalked off for offside and then they went to a review. And then I really felt for the poor on-field referee. English clearly wasn't her second language and had to do the announcement over the thing and she sort of stuffed it up. She clearly wanted to say there's no offside. The final decision's a goal. And she's sort of gone... Final decision is a goal. No, 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 no. The final decision is no offside. The final decision is a goal. And it was clearly, like, quite confusing. And I think this really underlined why getting the rest to do this is not necessarily a, a fair thing. Like, they're already under so much pressure. You've got to make the decision. You've got to um, uh, explain it. You already have to explain it to your players and stuff there. But having to do it over the PA system, I, I really felt for this poor ref. I hope it doesn't cost her in terms of, like, um, knockout phase games because the decisions were right. Um, it was clearly just a, a level of nerves with having to do the um, public announcement. But, yeah, Spain looked very slick. As I said, they could have scored more. Jenny Omoso scored her um, 50th goal for Spain. And, well, she had a brace. Um, yeah, Zambia looked like they might cause some trouble. Like when it was 2-0, um, you listen to the Optus halftime, they're saying, oh, you can't be complacent here. Spain are taking players off, they're celebrating. And, unfortunately, Zambia kind of kind of folded. Um, so... Their tournament's obviously all but over. Um, and there's Costa Rica's, so it is really going to come down to um, Japan, Spain to decide who tops the group. And I can't wait for that game. I think Spain are on top on are on top on goal difference at the moment. Um, but it's yeah, it's really um, it's going to be really exciting. It's two really technical teams, two really fun teams. Um, they're attacking. Uh, they're good to watch. And I feel like watching these two teams play each other is just going to be so much fun. And we'll get a real indicator of where both of them are actually at Um, because you go, oh, are they not so convincing here? Are they good at this? I feel like 
Japan weirdly have looked more convincing than Spain at times, but um, there's just so much talent in that in that Spain team as well. So I, I can't wait to see them play each other because I feel like we'll actually get a proper it'll be a proper litmus test for both of them, right, as to where they're actually at. Um, and I think that'll be a cracking game. Um, I'm interested to see how Zambia Costa Rica plays out as well. Just very much pride and you know first win and that sort of thing to play for. Um, but yeah, it's it's exciting. I'm also very keen just to see where these sides are actually at because I feel like we've learned that they can score pretty goals when they're playing against defences that just aren't set up very well or kind of chasing their own tails. But what are they actually like against teams that can offer a bit of resistance? So that'll be very, very fun. Do you have any takes on either of those two games from Group C? Just Japan are audacious with their ball control. It like it, it's just such a delight to watch them play, and I think that really came through in that that game against. Well, it's come through in both of their games, but yeah, their their game uh, against Costa Rica definitely shone through. But yeah, I'm not, and I'm also not too sure what Zambia and Costa Rica can take away from this tournament. Mm-hmm. I suppose because they didn't. I, they're just these were both quite difficult games for the two. Well, yeah, for the two of them to come up against Spain and Japan, and yeah, what kind of uh, positives can they walk away? Um, I suppose I, I I say this. I sound like I'm talking about community football, but yeah, what are the what are the lessons that they can take from this tournament? I'm not too sure, and I I think it's also important to know. I really hope that for Zambia. Um, the next time they come back to the World Cup, that the circumstances are much, much better because you can you can only imagine that would have had an impact on their ability to show up and um, try and do a good job out on the pitch. So, yeah. But, um, yes, Spain, Japan, that's going to be lit. I think it's going to, like, completely bamboozle me as well. Um, it's just going to be... And I wonder, yeah, I wonder where, like you said, Harrow, where the game is going to be won and, like... Because it, it surely it's just going to be incredibly tactical, given that both teams are so technically good um, and can finish. And yeah, so looking forward to it. I feel like um, the timing of the schedule really didn't help this group out. Like you really needed Costa Rica and Zambia to play each other, each other either first or in the middle, like to you know add a bit of life to it. It kind of felt like a bit of an inevitability when you saw that they were playing um, Spain and Japan respectively in their opening two games. Um, can't imagine having a group like that um, where you play two relative minnows of the tournament and feel comfortable that you will get six points. Not for me. Can't imagine it. Um, why would you have that? Deeply unrelatable. Why, why have that when you can have chaos? <laughs> <laughs> Why have that when you can have anxiety that grows anxiety? Um, But anyway, we ride. Um, There was a couple or just one really key newsy bit that I feel like we needed to talk about because we mentioned it at the time and it was Caroline Graham Hansen's post-match comments after the Norway-Switzerland game. Um, She has since issued an apology um, Hara, are you able to speak to this? Just the the whole production of it? Mm-mm. Very bizarre. The vibes were rancid. 
Yeah, they're not great. Like, for context, as we said on the pod, the defunct pod yesterday, she said um, after the match, I think it must have been in the mix zone, she felt disrespected. She said, I feel like I've been stepped on for a year. I've not been shown respect. Everyone says all the time that we have to stand together as a team and as a nation, but I feel I've been on the receiving end. I think there's been, a, I don't know if there was more than one interview. In mix zone, they can do multiple interviews, obviously. <clears throat> oh, CGH, not happy. So then um, she arrived, apparently arrived unannounced at a press conference on Wednesday and read a statement apologising for the incident. Um, very hot, real sort of hostage vibes here. Uh, so the quote is, I just want to apologise for my statements after the match. After the game yesterday, it got the better of me and I want to apologise for that to my teammates, the coaches and my country. I know it causes unrest around the team when I speak out as I did yesterday. It was not the rational me. Yeah. Things seem great in the Norway camp. (laughs) Simply flying. Has anything gone right for them since they knocked us out of that World Cup on penalties? I'm just not sure it has. (laughs) No. (laughs) They are dealing with the, the karma of making me sad. And they will continue to do so. But just yet, like you said, the hostage vibes, that photo. <laughs> One Sam Kerr penalty reverberates around the world and is just hitting Norway over and over and over again. Oh, my God. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. But like you said, the, the hostage vibes coming from that photo that was doing the rounds on social media where, like, Graham Hansen's standing behind the media hoarding and then Egeriza's just standing, like, looming over her shoulder, just watching on, like, yes, say the words. Um, Just like we rehearsed. (laughs) That was the vibe. It was so, yeah, bizarre. Um, Very, very bizarre. They will have lots of fun playing the Philippines in their final group game. So we'll see what happens there I think they've really benefited from benefited from the fact that they are in such a chaotic group so that they aren't technically mathematically out of contention here like they've really um in a weird kind of way dodged a bullet there but um yeah just bizarre areas from that one do we have anything else that we want to mention today um um No. Uh, no. Excellent. Let me just double check. There's not anything I've missed. I don't think so. I don't think there. There was a lot of Tilly's chat in this one, but as there should be, because it is technically Tilly's game day, and we hope that you are listening to this oh. on your way to the stadium. Also, a quick shout out um, to friend of the pod, um, Ben, our friend Mackie, my colleague at AAP, who has put up. Uh, a, this is ahead of you're probably going to be watching. USA Netherlands or you will have just watched it still relevant he did a ripping piece um with US co-captain Lindsay Horan about missing out on actually playing in that final in in 2019 and moving on from that and how that um that drive there so really really nice piece uh well worth your time um he also did a separate one where she talks about um how good uh Caitlin Ford and Ellie Carpenter are obviously knowing them well so yes Shout out to friend of the pod, Ben, and a couple of really nice pieces from that chat with Lindsay Horan, who I'm sure will be expecting to book a spot in the round of 16 today. We support that. We love Mackie. Was that a hand up? Yeah, I have news. Oh, okay, go. Uh, I'm placed number 69 in the tipping comp at the moment. I'm very proud of myself. Nice. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) 
I I forgot to put in my first five tips, so consider this a reminder to go check if you have actually put in your tips. Um, yeah, far out. The tipping competition, it gets me every time. Honestly, it's an absolute nightmare. I'm checking to see what place I am because I now want to know. I am 73rd. That is not a vibe. <laughs> um, but it's fine. Everything's fine. Anyway, that is us done for today. While you are listening, you will probably be in the midst of watching one of these three games. So we've got the 2019 final replay, USA taking on the Netherlands. We've got Portugal, Vietnam, and then tonight we have the Tillies taking on Nigeria. So plenty of fun tomorrow. Make sure you come back and hang out with us once again. But as always, thank you for tuning in. We're on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app, as well as Spotify, Apple, Google, all of the usual pod spots. If you like what we're doing, make sure you subscribe so you get the daily pods directly into your feed. If you want to have a chat to us, we're at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next time, go Tillies and see you. Thank you.